I'm Bill Small. And I'm Miles Hansen. Welcome to the subtle art of not yelling. A conversation about growing a business without needing to be the loudest person on the block. Less noise, more... songwriter, a recording artist, a performer, and one of my most favorite people. Today, we get to talk to Susan Gibson. I guess people ought to know that our guest today is one of my favorite people in the entire world, and someone that I am so happy I get to call friend. Oh, thank Ms. you. Susan Gibson. Hi, hi, Miles. <laughs> Hey, Susan. What a a sweet thing to say. And Bill, you know what? I don't know that I've ever walked away from a conversation with you that I haven't felt like I was a better person and that I, that I, I grew a little bit. So thank you. Well, I could shoot for that. Yeah. Help me grow. (laughs) Help me grow. No, I mean, I could shoot for the opposite. Like, you know, see how bad I can make you feel before you leave. So (laughs) watch out. You can the try. Next time you run into me in the hardware store, watch out. Because <laughs> <laughs> Susan and I are what's called Texas neighbors, so we probably live about twenty miles apart. Uh, but that's right next door. Uh-huh. Around here, we do get to run into each other at the hardware store yep. and the grocery store every now and again. So. Yep, yep. That's so they're fun. Great. They're there. It's it's a. You can see how um, in the in the wild, wild west, how those places, you know, those common meeting places, man, because otherwise you, you're kind of, sequ- I'm kind of sequestered out here in the middle of nowhere, sure. you know? Well, and talk about being sequestered. Yeah. Uh, you and I <laughs> talked a little bit and actually showed up on, uh, oh, what's that thing called? Clubhouse a little bit in 2020. Yeah. And uh, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, Susan, you are uh, a longtime songwriter and performer. You've made, uh, I didn't even count. I should have counted how many records that you have out. Um, I think six. Six, six. studio records, yeah. Awesome. Six studio records. Uh, you've played it all over the place. Mm. And most of the time that I've known you, I knew you had a house, but it pretty much seemed like you lived in your van. Yeah, because you were just gone all the time. You and the dogs and guitars driving around the country, yeah, playing songs. Yeah, and then the pandemic thing happened, and I remember I came to a recording session for you because you were recording a song, a really awesome song, for caregivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that must have been what in December maybe of 2020. It was uh, two days before Christmas. Do you remember yeah, that? I do. And I was like, I've got a big ask. I know it's two days before Christmas. <laughs> do anybody mind dropping what you're doing and coming and recording some backing vocals? Uh, yeah, nobody minded. Nobody everybody minded. Showed up, everybody showed yeah. up. And I remember talking to you standing outside of the studio here in Wimberley and talking to you, and. At that point, of course, we'd all been just stuck in our houses for months. Yeah. And you were doing some online stuff, mm-hmm. you know, playing live streams, et cetera. But I remember you saying, you know, I don't know when the last time I've 
been home this much was, and I think I kind of like it. Yeah. And I think maybe I don't want to go back to doing exactly what I was doing before. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I passed 10 days in a row at home, you know, unbroken. Um, and I, I mean, just sleeping in my bed 10 days in a row, that yeah. was as much as I'd ever done in the 17 at the time, 17 years that I'd lived here. Um, because I, I always usually had a something that I would go out, you know, even if it wasn't a, an extended tour or something, it was a weekend in, you know, Fort Worth and Oklahoma city or something, you know, right. Where, where just having that unbroken time was so new. And, um, and at first it really was uncomfortable because I was for the first time having to live around all of the good intentions gone awry and the unfinished projects and all the potential not met as far as home ownership goes, gardens mm. and, and, Ooh, that, that's a load that needs to go to the dump. I'm, you know, I need to take that. Oh, there's my goodwill pile. And, you know, I solved all of those problems by just driving away from them and, and leaving them till later. Um, and so that was uncomfortable in the beginning to like live around it, you know, yeah. live, live. And I have a, I mean, I have a great little house, you know, I just have the this, this sweetest little spot. Um, but once I got past that initial uncomfort, discomfort, oh man, it's now you got to pry me out of here. You know, I really love being at home and, and, uh, I love the stuff I get to do on a regular basis, like make plans to meet a friend for lunch or have a day of the week that I go and eat supper at my sister's house, you know, and, uh, or have plants, you know, house plants, you know, that's a big deal. That sounds, <laughs> so, that sounds so normal. Cats. I have cats that, oh my. You know, <laughs> yeah. I went from cool dog chick to crazy cat lady in about a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can understand this. I was I was a dog dogs all the way, and then I fell in love with a cat, and I'll yeah. I'll never go back. I still love yeah. dogs, but I get it's, it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's insane, and and you know they don't travel with me, so it's like whoa! Now I've got this thing that they don't depend on me that much, you know. They no, they're cats. They don't they. Really, yeah. they don't care. Yeah, they don't care. They they hardly probably notice that I'm home, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, it's a different mindset, you know. And I, I do um, like being home. I love what you said about you got home or you stayed home because you had to. And what you were faced with was a lot of unfinished work, mm -hmm. a lot of unfinished stuff. And I'm assuming then, you know, you drove your pile to Goodwill when you could and you took your stuff to the dump. And Yeah. Uh, what has being home more done for you creatively? Because I always think of you, and I could be totally wrong about this. I always think of you as a, as a fairly prolific creator. Mm. Oh, I love the face you just, she just made a face oh. like, wow, really? Because that's so not true. <laughs> It's not, I, I don't feel like it is. And, you know, I think the only part of, as far as songwriting goes, 
The only part that I still do well and consistently is when I have an idea, I get it down. I, I will always stop what I'm doing to make a note, to write it down, to capture a melody, to, you know, I'm, I'm really good at that. I think one of the things that I have learned is, um, you know, unlimited time is not necessarily really good for my productivity. You know, having, I never thought this about myself of the, how important those deadlines are and, and having a little bit of pressure to finish and, you know, having the studio time booked or having, you know, having a, a slew of gigs that you want to, you know, make sure you have some new material for or whatever. You know, I, I don't think I ever really understood what a factor that played in my productivity, um, which I really am getting a sense of it now because um, I'm a, you know, I, I, I have learned from talking to other creative people and just other people in my, in my community of, of how deceiving it is that, you know, procrastination is a symptom or a, yeah, I guess a symptom of perfectionism, you know, how, how that, that sense of, you know, I think one of the things I, I will finish that sentence, but I think one of the things that about the pandemic that was really big in my brain is I would never have opted to take a break like that. I would never have chosen that. But since it was everybody, I didn't have any, since everybody had to do it, I didn't have any of that. What am I missing? What opportunities am I missing? Right. It wasn't just you. It wasn't yeah. just me saying, I need a break, you know, which I never would have done for myself. But having it, having it be that way, be where it's, nope, everybody gets a break right now. And then the comparison that I did comparing what I was, what my output was compared to some people, Jana Pokop, mm. that made albums, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> that that really, it's weird to have those things that are as inspiring as they are discouraging. Uh, and I think comparison will do that all the time. But I think that, you know, I, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a mess. I'm kind of disorganized. My time management skills are terrible. Um, and so I did not see my procrastination as a function of perfectionism because I never, I always, I always, you know, our, our family motto is panic first. And then the <laughs> underline of that is, you know, the, the subtext of that is done is better than perfect. Like to just finish, just finish. And, you know, you can, it doesn't have to be perfect. And, and for some reason I got in my head where I was doing a bunch of comparison and stuff. And that, that just, that, that kills creativity. That's you know, I, I just love what you said that this whole procrastination is a symptom of perfectionism. Cause I know that we've talked about, and I noticed, uh, yelling really loudly at me this year that I have a habit of creating things and then not putting them out in the world Oh yeah, or creating things and kind of just barely putting them out in yeah. the world, you know, well here, if you can find this and you happen to care and you're yeah. looking really hard for it, you can find it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And I never really considered, because I don't, I'm like the anti-perfection person. I'm always telling people, you know, perfect is boring. Don't, don't do that. But yet I totally get how that could feed into me acting like that or not wanting to sit down and write something or work on something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have felt that a lot in this last couple of years. Yeah. Um, and, and I go back and forth between thinking, you know what? Some, you, some fields, you just got to let them go fallow and get overgrown with weeds and you turn that under and then you've got something really golden to grow. Mm. And I'm, I, I love that. I, I, and like, I it's season, like it can be seasonal. Your, your creativity doesn't have to be turned on 24-7. I don't think it can be. For me, there's people yeah. that that, that sure. is the case, you know, right. and I just have to be really careful about comparing myself. You know, man, bask in that get up close to that those people that are that are able to to produce really consistently i bet the closer i get to those people the more i'm going to learn no they have their downtime too you <laughs> yeah. know what i mean yeah but sure. you know i i i bought into this and i believe it's true you know the difference uh, there's a book that stephen pressfield the war of art which i really love that book and i really believe that, you know, the, the kind of the outlines that he does, a you know, an amateur versus a professional and a professional gets up and does it every day, whether they want to or not, you know, whether mm -hmm. they're inspired or not, they will sit there and put the time in to right. do it. And so then I think, well, maybe I've just been an amateur for <laughs> five years. Yeah. I always thought professional meant you got paid for it. So. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's, that is, you know, that's the yardstick that a lot of us use. Yeah. But, you know, he kind of brings in some different um, measuring tools for what determines if you're a pro or not, you know, and I believe in that stuff. And yet sometimes I don't live it, you know. And well, that, that, that does beg the question. So you had this major sort of life change around mm -hmm. you had to be stuck at home. You realized you actually kind of like that. But. It took away, Miles and I like to talk about that thing that you said you need, like the deadlines and the, or the boundaries. Yeah. You know, that for us, like, we like to language it as the box. Yeah. You need a box. Yeah. You Otherwise, know, it's like, it just runs wild forever. Right. Yeah. Like, I know, and I know you're like this. If I told you right now, hey, Susan, um, you know, write me a song about, uh, you know, a chicken that just laid an egg. <laughs> In the sunshine in my backyard, you have 20 minutes. Let me, got it. let me, no. <laughs> yeah. But, but you know what I'm saying? Like you, you could do that. Yeah. But if I said, Hey, Susan, just write me a song in 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. 20 minutes from now, you'd probably be staring at me, giving me the finger. Like, yeah. what do you, no. Yeah. Or <laughs> if it me, was just me write, write me, Hey, go write me a song. Yeah, and you don't even say 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. You'd call me in two years and be like, here, yeah. I got one for you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a first draft going. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, having that, having those boundaries, having that box for any kind of creativity. And I think that's what Pressfield's talking about in The War of Art is if you're going to, if the box becomes you get up every day and you do X, you write or you whatever for 20 minutes or 30 minutes, that becomes the box. Yeah. And you yeah. see what comes out of it because you're, you're forcing yourself to do it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what have you found, if anything, 
over the last you know year and a half that's starting that you feel like starting to work for you or like that maybe you're getting back into the groove of mm. feeling like you're creating even if you're not i don't know writing as many songs as Jana pokop you know yeah. you don't have to do that she's been a guest so we can talk about her yeah uh without comparing yourself to anybody else i think it's more about what do you want to be doing yeah you know? yeah well, you know, you and I touched on this in the plumbing aisle at the hardware store, Bill, <laughs> of how... I was so concerned about wrapping my pipes, I don't remember. You don't? Okay. Well, I'll never forget it. Um, but, uh, you know, just that... Um, well, maybe we didn't talk about this. Just that idea that, you know, some kind of existential questions of, was my momentum in my career... Was that what it was? It mm. was just this, you know, I had kind of a rocket blast in the beginning. And then did I, did I separate? And I've just been kind of because of lack of friction or gravity, I've just kind of maintained this certain trajectory, but it's not anything that I've done to mm. create. It's just right. like, I've just been kind of coasting on this. And like you didn't say, this is what I want. You're just right. doing what you're doing. Right. Are you I, getting a I delivery said, right okay, now? Okay. To certain things. And they went, you know, and yeah. for anybody that's listening in this audio uh, format is a rocket. Just kind of taking off. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, like that true thing, like I didn't create any of that. I didn't, I didn't create any of that momentum. Right. Mm. I, I, I maintained it for a long time. I, I would say you created the momentum because it came from somewhere. It didn't, it didn't just happen without you. And, no. and we'll, we'll touch on what, you know, sparked that. But, but once that momentum got going, tell me if this is correct. Like once that momentum got going, you didn't necessarily look out ahead and say, Hey, you know what? Given where I am now, here's what I really want. Here's where I want to go. Here's where I want to end up next. Yeah. You know, or in five years, this is where I want to be. Yeah. I've never done that. What's my one year, five year, 10 year right. thing? I, I mean, I've written on a piece of paper one year, five year, 10 year, a thousand times. And I've never completed that, that survey. I've never answered those questions, you know? Not long ago, we recorded a podcast and we talked about shipping our work and how many things we've started but failed to finish. We talked about exercising our creative muscle and being consistent. We talked about perfectionism and procrastination. And we both got very real about how we work and the things about how we work that just don't work. We realized that in order for either one of us to move things forward, we need a container, structure, boundaries, a clear target, accountability, support, feedback. That inspired us to create The Box. So what's The Box? The Box is a workshop for creatives. It solves problems like unfinished work or lack of sharing or being able to promote or sell your work, unorganized action, wasting energy, that lone wolf syndrome, going it alone. 
We're planning on launching this in the first few months of this year. So if you want to move your creative work past where you usually stop, just visit theboxworkshop.com and find out more. In the box, you'll finish what you started. No, no, I'm sorry. I just had a visual of like a wave. Like you're talking about your momentum and you had this moment and you kind of, you, you say you've been coasting. And I mean, I have a lot of, questions with within that like about how it most a lot of people would probably lose momentum it, it takes effort and intentional energy to like keep momentum and to i just see, keep seeing a wave mm-hmm. like you saw a wave and you surfed it and you've been surfing it and that's creative and and that's energy and effort and um so anyways continue yeah and i know for a fact you worked your butt off i did to, to keep that momentum yeah or to I, ride that momentum. I did. You're right. I did. I mean, I did ride it, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, I don't know this. I, this is science and I don't know it, but I'm going to Google it. Does every wave eventually hit the shore? Mm. Right? Mm. Is, that the, is that what every wave eventually does? Well, every wave, if you watch, I think every wave dissipates every wave ends yeah in its Hitting way the shore was way more dramatic it was <laughs> yeah. i just wanted to use the word dissipate yeah well it's but, energy uh, it's energy and it transforms because energy can't be created nor right. destroyed right that's right so it trans oh yeah. so if it transforms then the question is what, what do you want it to transform into mm-hmm. yeah and Susan, I, you know, I do remember this now because we're, you and I, as we often are, are asking the same questions. We were standing in the aisle in, in the hardware store and we're both asking the same question because I don't know what's next. Yeah. I, I set out to do a thing and I kind of did that. And now that's done. Well, what's next? Yeah. Are you asking me that? <laughs> no. Okay. No, because because I'm assuming you still don't have an answer. Or you probably would have said that already. But um, that's a quick question. Both of you guys, both of you guys have talked about how you wouldn't have stopped. You would have just kept going, kept touring, yeah. stayed in the van, all that. You would have just kept doing it. Why wouldn't you have taken a break and, and opted out on your own? Why did it take? A pandemic for that to happen. You get, do you want to go, Bill? Because uh, I know why I wouldn't. Yeah, uh, mine. Mine is abject fear that I would never get the opportunity to work that much again. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. I think there is, and I don't know if if it's an internal pressure or an external one, but that idea that if you dip below the surface of people's attention span that you're gone forever yeah (laughs) you know what i mean yeah and and i don't think that's true i don't either and we may be finding now that it's really not because i'm sure people still know that you're alive yeah some of them do yeah a couple people still know i'm good ones you and miles (laughs) do right now that's right you know (laughs) but you know i mean because when i that first year i did a lot of facebook live here i am I'm still here. Here I go. And, but that, but 2021, I didn't, 
I just really dropped off the whole thing, you know? Yeah. And, and that felt like self-preservation, but it also felt like almost an experiment of, okay, what happens when I'm not constantly peeking my head in people's mm -hmm. worlds and saying, remember me, remember me, remember me, you know? And, and, you know, and also, you know, I, Oh, well, now that I'm talking about that, I should have run through this uh, before you guys got here so that I would get a little more streamlined. But like, I think that, that there's a certain amount of realization that if I'm not promoting the gig, the album, the whatever, nobody would be interested in what I'm, what I'm yes. doing, you know? Yeah. And, you know, in our musical spheres, we have really, really good fan friends, fan yes. friends or friend fans, you know, that yeah. really do care about us as people. And so that was probably a little, you know, self-centered on my part to, to have this idea that if I don't have something to promote, nobody cares about me, you know, because I don't think that's true. Like to say that sentence out loud, I don't think that's true at all. Um, but I feel like that's kind of how my 2021 went, you know, mm -hmm. I'm just going to really regroup. I'm going to do things that are, that I find important. And a lot of that was family stuff that I had never taken the time. You know, I would take the time for the big stuff, the catastrophes, the college graduation, maybe, but as far as, you know, Tuesday night dinner, I didn't do that stuff. Yeah. You know, and, and, and those little moments are, you know, that's the fabric of life. You know, the, the big stuff is the buttons and the zippers, but the, you know, that little stuff is, is really important. And so, you know, some of it was that really drew to my family and, um, started the dog training stuff that I is, is sometimes really motivating to me, but sometimes really one more thing that I'm just putting off. You know, even though I love it. Well, Miles probably doesn't know this, but one of the things that came up in our clubhouse conversations back in oh, yeah. 2020 was that with all of her spare time and her, uh, you know, when you see Susan, she usually has a dog with her. <laughs> it's very rare to see Susan without a dog. And if she's without a dog, there's probably a dog in the car. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, so she's a dog person, a dog lover. Uh, never mind the cat thing. I don't even want to talk about that. Yeah, we don't have to uh, but she uh, she had this idea, hey, what if I actually just learn to train dogs and people could pay me to help them train their dogs? Mm -hmm. uh, so I know that's something you took on and yeah, and 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 I, I love it. You know, I think one of the questions, Bill, that we talked about in the ace hardware was, you know, like looking at you know, clinical depression stuff of hmm. why do I have these things that I adore that I'm so resistant to do? <laughs> like, it's like once I get into it, I yeah. love it. I, and I can yeah. say that for writing or painting or, you know, dogs or gardening or yeah. working on my property or anything. There's, there's just a, a ton of stuff that I really, really enjoy. And I have a lot of joy in my life. And what is it that makes me so uh, 
hesitant to get in there and do that stuff. And the dog training thing was kind of one of those. I, I, I took off and then I just kind of plateaued and I got to a point where, you know, I needed to go to dog parks and, and pet stores. And I was in Montana for those four months. And I just kind of really plateaued where I, where I'm doing the, the book part of it. Right. But as far as the part that I love, which is the engagement with actual dogs, right? you know, my own pack has decreased. I'm down to one seven pound chihuahua, which just wow. goes into that crazy cat woman <laughs> persona. <laughs> like four cats and a, and a seven pound chihuahua. <laughs> you know, that is so not what I thought I would be. No, it's really you know? weird. Yeah. So... Well, you know, I, I love that you brought that up. Like, why do we resist the things that we love to do? Yeah. And and even I remember when I, you know, 30 years ago when I said, I'm going to be a vocal coach, uh-huh. right? Because that's what I studied in school and I can geek out about it. And it's I think I could help some people. Before someone would show up for a lesson, I would sit there and just pray that they would call in sick, yeah. that they wouldn't show up. Yes. And the minute we'd start, It'd be great. I'd have a great time. I'd be glad they, that I did it. Yeah. I've had that with gigs where I'm like, yeah. I don't want to go. I got to pack all my stuff and yeah. I got to drive there and I don't want to do it. And of course you get there and you start playing and it's fantastic. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if this is the truth, but one one thing that I've noticed about it for myself is I think it's, a, I, I really just think it's a habit. It's just, it's a habit. To it's dread, a, to dread yeah. things you enjoy. The, yeah. The resistance. I don't know why it starts. There's something about it and maybe it is in some kind of perfectionism or you don't want to do it wrong or you don't want to, you don't want it to disappoint you mm-hmm. in some way. And I think oftentimes with our creative pursuits, it's like that. Like, I don't want to be disappointed by it. I don't want to have a bad gig. I don't want to write another crappy song. Yeah. You know, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and then and then it just becomes a habit. And you don't even know you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. You're just doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons uh, I haven't always been great about it, but I took on writing every morning this year mm-hmm. for no other reason than just to do it. Yeah. Partially just to see if I could, is that a muscle that I can build? Right. Right. And if something comes out of it, if I get an idea for a song or whatever, great, but that's not the point. Yeah. I want to see if I can build that muscle. And oftentimes I don't want to do it. Yeah. But every time I don't want to do it and I do it anyway, it kind of builds that muscle of doing it anyway. Yeah. Does that make sense? For sure. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like it's a universal law or something. It's like it, it's like a part of the universe. There has to be resistance before anything, big or small, mm-hmm. that brings us any sort of like joy or like you said, we resist the things that we adore. I can't relate more. I mean, anything. Playing the guitar, you know, in in certain ways, the gym, creating anything, uh, it just there's always at least a little bit of resistance and tension and gravity that yeah. it's almost like 
you have to you have to just keep that muscle strong otherwise you will slowly kind of just you'll just be doing it and it, it won't make any sense in the universe or something i don't know it's such an interesting concept well and look creating anything is uncomfortable yeah mm -hmm. I mean, songwriting is just downright painful mm -hmm. You know, at times it's really painful. It's it hurts. <laughs> it's, it it yeah. takes something. It it it's bothersome. And, yeah. And sometimes I really do think I'm just avoiding the uncomfortableness, and mm. of anything that I'm going to create. Yeah. Because yeah. it's going to be uncomfortable. Even yeah. even a conversation can be uncomfortable. Yeah. So you avoid having it. Yeah. Um, right. But the more comfortable we can get with the uncomfortable the better, I guess. Well, sure. You know what? So, I, th what? I, I think, Bill, you know, that that phrase right there gives a lot of clarity. For one thing, how important is this conversation for me to realize this this thing that I thought I was alone in? Oh, we God, no. we have, You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like you're speaking out of my head. I'm like, why are Susan and I always dealing with the same stuff at the same time? I don't know. Yeah, don't. yeah. But just that... You know, maybe part of being at home and sleeping in my own bed and be able to do laundry whenever I want and the DVDs are there and, you know, I, I mean, everything, you know, everything is within reach and it's all, I know what's there and I, I know what I'm having for supper and I know, you know, I, that, that comfort of being at home has really freaked me out about that kind of mental, emotional, spiritual discomfort, you know, and, and that, you know, that's just something that I got to be able to say out loud, at least to you two. I don't know that it needs, you know, your podcast listeners, but that, that I have become so comfortable, you know, when I, and, and that's no good for, for growth. It is no good for growth. And, and, and I can really see that. I can really see that of, of how, you know, I, I remember laughing um, and, and kind of, you know, this was my witty retort when someone would say, um, talk about the pandemic and staying home and, and how, you know, because I have this passive income stream from songwriting, um, that when I wasn't spending money to tour, it was like I lost my job and got a raise, right? <laughs> it was like it was like my whole my whole thing flipped upside down because not only am I not, um, you know, filling my gas tank several times a day, I'm not buying forty dollars at Target stuff of Target to go in and use their bathroom when I'm touring on the road and sleeping in their parking lot at night in my van. You know, and I'm not buying meals out on the road. And I, there's just so much stuff that I'm not spending my money. Oil changes, you know, tires, <laughs> you know. And and it really did feel like, well, where'd all this money come from? And this sense of, oh, I don't ever have to go back to do that again. I know that's not true. I know it's not true, but I, but I, I, because I think for my, you know, we don't do this for the money. No, for your sanity, you're going to have yeah. to keep doing it. I will have to keep yeah. doing it. And and yeah. for my my fulfilling my own what I view as my purpose, you know. But I 
but I don't feel like I have to be busy for the sake of being busy. I don't feel like, you know, I feel like it has shifted a little bit. I used to so value a full tour schedule. That was credibility right there. I mean, you look at somebody and they've got, you know, um, six weeks of gigs that are back to back. And I and yeah. you look you look on their website and that's what it looks like and you're like yeah. oh man they're they're doing they're it killing it yeah yeah and and also I know God that that is so much work on the front side and <laughs> you know what I mean and and it really is an exhausting thing to do that too and so um, I'm not sure where I was going with that but. But just, you know, my yardstick for what constitutes killing it has changed. Right. Like your version of what success looks like is yeah. now different. Yeah. And maybe you don't know what it is right this minute. Yeah, or, maybe, or maybe you're in it and you just haven't come up with what's the next one. Because yeah. the one thing, and we, we kind of skipped over this. We're not really doing things in any kind of chronological <laughs> order. But, uh, you know, some people may not really understand how you how your wave started rolling how you got to where you are why you even have passive songwriting income yeah um could you you want to say it or shall i i was gonna let you do it um (laughs) can you uh could but but you know there's a part of this i don't actually know okay okay so at some point susan gibson growing up decided I want to play and sing and write songs. Yeah. How did that happen? Yeah. Well, well, you know, I played in corners of coffee shops. I, and played, you know, all why, why did you start doing that? It felt really good. (laughs) It felt really good. And I like to sing. I like, I like how that feels you know, just that resonance. And, um, and so, you know, uh, I I mean, I, that's definitely what I have done the longest. If you look at singing or playing or writing, singing has been since I was a kid because of my mom and, and who she was, you know, and, and just what we, we just sang, you know, played name that I can name that tune in a, 11 notes. I can name <laughs> it in seven notes. I can name it in five. I can name it in three, you know, while we did dishes, you know, and we just, she, she just infused that in our, we sang Christmas carols in July because we could harmonize with them and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so that feels really good. And um, so I had a friend that played guitar who showed me how to play a couple songs and that felt really good. And then when I wrote my first song, it's so interesting to me, the, the big selling point of writing my first song was, huh, <clears throat> I can't do this wrong because it didn't <laughs> exist before. And I don't have to compare. I don't have to say, yeah, yeah, you know how to play that Mary Chapin Carpenter song, but you don't sound like Mary Chapin Carpenter. Or you know how to play that Natalie Merchant song, but you don't sound like her. And once I wrote my own song, it was like, oh, I don't have to try to sound like anybody. And I think it was through through writing my own songs that I really found what my singing voice sounded like. No longer trying to emulate 
something that I heard and it was, it felt very wide open. I mean, that was an accident. <laughs> well, felt like, all right. All right. Let's, we got to let the cat out of the bag. Why are we laughing? So we're laughing because I wrote a song called Wide Open Spaces that went out throughout the galaxy. The, the chicks recorded it and made it the title track of their first record in 1998. And it, it is my source of passive income that has gotten me through a pandemic 22 years later. Many precede and many will follow A young girl's dream no longer hollow It takes the shape of a place out west But what it holds her She hasn't yet guessed She needs wide open spaces Room to make her big mistakes She needs gift that keeps on giving right there. Yeah. And I only have one of those, but it's a good one. And, uh, and it, you know, if I, if I sustain, you know, if I don't get on amazon.com after about eight o'clock in the evening, my money will last. You know what I mean? Like I can, I can hang tight at home for a long time, you know, just because I don't, I don't, I don't, travel if it's not for work you know they don't, yeah. don't have anything that i'm whatever it doesn't matter but but it's so interesting that now 25 years later one of my biggest problems is comparing myself to what other people's productivity levels are because the hook the barb that set the hook for me for songwriting is that oh when you write the song yourself you can't do it wrong. Right. No, you cannot mess that up because you just made it. You just created that thing and it doesn't exist and there's nothing to compare it to. And, you know, and that's a pretty naive way of thinking, but I do remember that being the light bulb that went on that, that got, said, well, write another one, write another, what else? What, what, write another one. What about this subject? Who, that, that guy said that with this to you, write a song about it. You know what I mean? And it's just like the floodgates just kind of opened up. And I think it's not uncommon that the longer you write, the harder it gets. It's it, 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 the steeper it gets because mm. in the beginning it is such uncharted territory. You haven't written about any of these things. You are exploring and discovering and inventing and stuff like that. And as you get down the road with it, it's like, God, I don't want to write. You know, my problem is I judge it too soon. And I say, I don't right. want to write that song. I don't want to write that song again. Mm. I don't want to sing that song over and yeah. over and over and hear myself sing that song. Cause that's become important to me too, is what am I hearing myself say over and over mm -hmm. and over again? And so, um, you know, those are those, those kind of, to me, that is a luxury that I do not have to decide what I'm going to write. It, it, it has been a gatekeeper, you know, it has been the thing that, that closes off my 
sense of creativity and my sense of wonder about yeah. any of it and curiosity yeah. about any of it for me to say, I don't want Susan. I do, you know, don't write a recovery album, don't write a political <laughs> album, right? Don't write a, you know, you know, and 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 that's a thing of perfectionism too. Sure. Because yeah. What if I do it and and people don't like it or they think I'm weird or they don't, you know, whatever. Or hey, Susan, forget about the political album. Why don't you just write a verse? Why don't you just write <laughs> one goddamn verse? Right. You know what I mean? Don't you want anything. About, yeah. yeah. I mean, so so you know, talk about putting the cart before the horse. Well, do you feel like, so, you know, you write this song, Wide Open Spaces, and you played it, of course, before the chicks ever heard it. Yeah. It was around for a while. Yep. And you wrote lots of other songs. You had a band back then, I believe, called The Groobies. I did, yes. Yep. I was in a band called The Groobies. G-R-O-O-B-E-E-S. Google us. <laughs> and uh and so then you know the chicks record it they do a fantastic version of it it's kind of undeniable it's really good it becomes this giant hit mm -hmm. do you feel like that had any effect on you know your ability to write thereafter for a little for a while yeah for a couple years I felt like I was trying to do that again. Mm -hmm. And there was so much fairy dust around that, you know, and I had a real resistance to, I had opinions about things that I had no experience in. Um, and I was really attached to those opinions. Like I don't want to go to Nashville and put Tinkerbell on the dissecting tray and cut her open and try to figure out what's the chemical composition of fairy dust. I don't want to do that. Wow. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to take away the beauty of this. You know, that was the combustible moment when we were talking mm -hmm. about momentum and disconnecting yes. from the fuel as I am leaving orbit and there's no gravity or friction. That song and that whole thing was the combustible moment, right? That, that 25 years later, wide open spaces is still my business card for doing business, you know, even though, Yes, I have some other albums and I've got lots of good songs, better songs because that song was in the first dozen songs I ever wrote. Wide Open Spaces was wow. in the first, in my first batch of songs. And so I have hopefully, fingers crossed, gotten better as a writer yeah. from writing, but I will never recreate that moment because it, because of that moment. You d you only have one first when mm, there's a lot yeah. of magic around that one first. Yeah. And then also, you know, part of the success of that song, all of the success of that song was tied to the Dixie Chicks, tied yes. to those girls that were just, nobody'd seen it before. So that yeah. was a first of seeing that level of talent, beauty and savvy. Yeah. You know, cause they, they went a long way, a lot further than I think another artist in that beginning stage would have gone because of the way they stuck to their guns on things. Yeah. But they, they bargained with bargaining power. They didn't even have yet. And they, they parlayed <laughs> and that. It worked. And it yeah, worked. it worked. Yeah. And so, and then also the, the environment of the music business 
where that was before streaming and downloading was an everyday right. thing. Like some yeah, they, people, they actually sold records. They sold yeah. physical records. Yeah. And so that was, you know, that was one of the last, that was 98 when that record came out. And that was one of the last, you know, multi multi-platinum albums, you know, yes. of physical copies. And so to, to look at the, the kind of things that had to, the pieces that had to fall into place for that song to do that, 99% of it felt like it had nothing to do with the song, right? I mean, I get it that, that the song and the artist marriage was really huge. Yeah, they did a great job. It's, yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, but but everything else felt like circumstance, right? Mm -hmm. The timing and and, you know, even how if that song would have gotten to uh, Casey Musgraves on her first record, it wouldn't have done what it did with the Dixie Chicks on their first record. Mm -hmm. If it would have gotten to the Chicks on their second record, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have, have been the same thing. You no, know? yeah. so there was just so much mm. like out of out of anyone's control, really. Sure, you know um, that fe felt like that was the 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 catapult for me. You know, um, I, I don't know how to recreate that. So, but for years I tried. Right for years, I'd go to Nashville and I'd co-write with people, and I'd, you know, because of the um, kind of the business arrangement we had in our band, which is a completely different story that we don't have to get into. But you know, I didn't go get a publishing deal for myself and go do that stuff. And and then for years after that, after I said, okay, I'm not going to try to recreate that. I'm not going to try to write, you know. Um, Great big neighborhoods as a <laughs> instead of wide open space. I like <laughs> oh, I think you should write that now. Well, great they, big neighborhoods. Big old subdivisions. How about that? <laughs> <There you go. laughs> that works. But um, you know, then it was like, um, then it was like uh, I I resist. I resist this, you know, part of my charming story became how I didn't go to Nashville and parlay that into anything. Right. And so that was part of my charming bio um, that I believed, right? I bought into that idea. And then, and then, you know, then after that kind of period, then I had like real regret, like you dumbass, Susan anybody that would have had that kind of success would have taken their suitcase. They would have had someone watch their dog for them, every, you know, uh, for a week, every month. And they would have gone to Nashville or moved there and started trying to build something. And instead of doing that, you know, I had this charming story, which I loved. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. that girl that lives in her van and travels around and plays, and she's got this mega hit and you can see her playing at the Boys and Girls Club of America uh, at an after school <laughs> program. You know what I mean? Like it was part of my charm and it was my real life and I loved it, but I tended to fall into, you know, the same thing I did with traveling. Susan Gibson puts 80,000 miles a year on her van. Okay. That's my identity. I live in my van and travel and tour and, you know, and so it's like I start believing my own press and uh, <laughs> trying to live up to that instead of yeah. saying, what is it that I want next, you know?
and none of it's bad. I, I got no. passionate about it there for a second, but, but it's all been really good. You know, it's yeah. just no, I get that kind of unexamined for a lot of it, you know, yeah. just kind of coast riding the wave, riding the wave. Yeah. Riding the wave. I yeah. can't help, but this is so cool to hear, Susan. Thanks for sharing. It's, mm -hmm. I can't help but draw a huge correlation between the way that you came up with the song and the, and the, how you said that, you know, the older you get, like the harder it gets to write, like the more you write, the harder it gets to write. Mm -hmm. I can't help but correlate that with just life in general. Like when we're young, we're these empty sponges and everything is your first. Everything is new. You're curious. Every, like you could look at a leaf on the ground and it's the most incredible, fascinating, fun thing you've ever interacted with. And then as you grow up, you get more and more deeper grooves in the brain, more habits, more expectations and ex external factors. And um, we really start to take shape uh, with this identity, we become mm -hmm. our identity. And when, and so what I'm kind of taking away from this conversation, a big part of it is just almost like ignorance is bliss. Like how can we, I love that you said you didn't go to Nashville. You didn't, um, put, put the, uh, fairy, I think it's a fairy dust mm -hmm. on the, um, thing and examine it and cut it open and try to create this formula that you could recreate to ultimately to like be what you thought was successful. Mm -hmm. I love that you didn't do that. And it makes me think, you know, sometimes it's better to just do it and not ask so many questions and not peek behind the curtain. And and I, I think about that a lot with myself and business and in life and like with spirituality and stuff. It's like, sometimes you just got to be. And so I'm just so fascinated by this idea of just letting go, trying to let go of your identity and trying, trying to uh, let go of all the the weight mm. that kills your creativity. Yeah, and I think you you've done that. You know, there's a there's a a prayer or a meditation that I do sometimes, which is, you know, help me set aside everything I think I know, in order <sighs> to let me have a new experience, because it's yeah. it's that. It's that lack of wonder and curiosity. It's, it's, you know, a lot of this, you guys, started, you know, that imposter syndrome that starts when I started doing songwriting workshops where I'm going to help other people write songs. Yeah. All the while, I'm sitting there looking at my own blank piece of paper going, ah, you know, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to do this. And, and yeah. that feels real fraudulent, you know, and I love the converse. I love doing workshops. I love the conversations that you get to have with people when you're talking about creative process and what's so scary behind that door. Let's open that door up. Let's see what's in there because, because not only are you going to heal yourself, but if you share that thing, it's going to heal other people that think they're all alone in, in that emotion or whatever. And so, you know, talk about powerful medicine. Let's get to it. Let's do it. And then I look at my own, you know, stuff and I go, mm, no, don't open that door, you know, or, <laughs> or it might not even be fear. It's, it might be just, you know what? Last night was a late night and a long drive. And I think I'm just going to sit here and scroll Twitter, 
<laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't even have to be some kind of big discovery that I'm afraid of making. It can be just permission to not do it. Um, but I sometimes I think the more I do those workshoppy things, um, the more that it lets the steam out of, you know, to, to kind of take some pressure off creatively because it's still a creative endeavor to sit with someone else and talk about writing process and talk sure. about, you know, what if you said it like this? Or, you know, I don't know how you should say it, but if that were my song, here's what, here's what maybe where I'd go with that. This, this feels like this is where the energy is for me, you know, and, and I can get that, um, that satisfying sense of creativity without actually having created something myself or risked myself because that's their song. And so, you know, I can, I, I can kind of gauge, um, you know, probably I should back off on the workshops so that I get a little more busting at the seams with how I want to say things and, and, you know, put, put my own money where my mouth is, you know, um, instead of taking other people's money for where my mouth is. And, and <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like invest, reinvesting myself with, with wonder and curiosity and doesn't that, I, doesn't that still just come back to what you want? Yeah. You know, it just comes back to what do you want? You can have all of it. You can teach workshops and write your own songs or, you know, yeah, for sure. It doesn't have to look any particular way. That, that's right. That's right. But that internal dialogue that's happening when I have been saying, shoot, Susan, it's been, you know, you put out a record in 2019. Um, it's 2022. Uh, what's, what's happening? You know, yeah, trust me, do you, you going to, you going to make another record? Should you, right. you know, do you want to, do you have 30 grand to invest? <laughs> on an yeah. that no yeah. one needs that, to buy that you're not going to get back. Yeah. You're not going to yeah. get back, you know? And, and like, which is which is a completely different conversation. Yeah, we could and, we could literally have you back, and we could just talk about the economics of making records yeah. in this in this decade and day yeah. and age. Yeah, really. Yeah. Uh, so, but but you know, it's I mean I don't want to paint the picture. It's not like money is no object here, but that is not my problem. My problem right. is yeah. I don't have the songs to do that. Sure. You know, which but feels then again, if you you actually said at the beginning of this conversation, some version of, if you went ahead and said, I'm going to make a record and you booked the studio time, you'd show up with the songs because you have to. Yeah, that might've been a lie, Bill. I don't know. I'm not even lying about that. <laughs> but I, there, there's one other thing you said that I really want to touch on. And then there's a question we, we ask pretty much everybody, unless we forget. Um, you have said multiple times, the word curious or curiosity and wonder. Yeah. And there's a Brene Brown book that actually uh, my partner's listening to right now. And we were just talking about this this morning and I hadn't really thought about it like this before, but to be curious, you have to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. You know, when you know, when you're sure, when you, know what you're doing, you're, you kind of have the armor up. But to be curious, you have to be vulnerable. And I think that may be 
the part that in some ways is easier when you get older. Mm. I'm sure I had it when I was a kid and then I think it went away mm-hmm. entirely because I had to know or else I would fall apart. Yeah. Um, but in certain aspects, when I can be intentional about it, it's easier for me to allow myself to be curious. Yeah. But it's uncomfortable because I have to be vulnerable. It's that uncomfortable thing again. Yeah. Yeah. Curiosity is kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. Because you don't know. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, Bill, it makes me think what, what, why do I think the stakes are so high? (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Where is that? Where is that coming from? I don't mean to, I don't know. Because you, because you wrote wide open spaces and it felt, feels like the stakes got really high. The stakes did get high. Yeah. He knows the high stakes. <laughs> the high stakes. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, I do. I mean, there's so much in that song that was foreboding, not foreboding, but just like foreshadowing. Uh, foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> um I mean Yeah. Yeah. She All right, so she has no idea of the high stakes, but that just doesn't sing as well. Um, you know. No, you did great. Um <laughs> would you say that you are more introverted or extroverted naturally? I think I am 50-50. I really yeah. do. I really do. I think that, yeah. I'm yeah. a is there a word for that? I think it's ambivert. Ambivert. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I would say I am. I really love my solitude. I yes. really love uh, you know, I have I've often thought that, you know, I'm, I'm just like anybody on average, I'm just like anybody else that has a family of four or five around them and they go and they work in an office with 20 or 30 people and they shop at the grocery store and stuff. But, but it's just the average is I'm either all by myself or I'm out in a room full of people. And, and, you know, um, I'm okay with that. I I'm okay with that. I, I don't, I really like my solitude. I feel like that's where I recharge, but I really like being out with yeah. people um, and and having a place to spend that energy and make those connections. You know, the whole goal for writing songs in the first place was always, you know, connection. And at first it was just me connecting my head to my heart, you know, and and then after I did that for a while and it felt good, then it, it and, and then I was playing out, it became more about, connecting with other people and it's a really great vehicle, you know, to, to connect with other people is to, you know, show your private parts and then, you know, invite them to show theirs and listen vulnerably and stuff like that. But, but it, it's, it just looks different. It's, it's not with some people all the time. It's usually real isolation, you know, and, and I think you and I've talked before about, you know, feeling myself cross that line between solitude and isolation. Solitude, right. great isolation, is deadly for me. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, you know how that relationship of going out and performing and singing on a microphone, and it's one person with many. That's not a natural relationship. You know what I mean? It's not a. Yes, it's it so one sided, and it's yeah. so. Uh, um, 
kind of crafted, which is not real. When you are really in with real people and, and having real, real uh, engagements, man, sometimes they ask questions that you don't like or make commentary that you don't like. And, and that just doesn't happen in that performer audience space, you know, very often. Well, I got not with your, the weeds. Not, at, uh, not at your shows. Yeah, no, I don't get a lot of you know, pointed, <laughs> pointed questions that make me uncomfortable, but I can't. So, well, I'll, I'll remember that the next time I come see you. I'll see if I can heckle you a little better. Yeah. What is what does your routine schedule look like today? I mean, you're spending more time at home. Do you still play shows? Are you still getting out there? What, what's going on in your world? Yeah, I, I'm playing shows that really make sense as far as uh, money, you know, I, I, I think I spent a lot of time, um, pre pandemic, um, where I would spend a hundred dollars to go make $300. You know what I mean? Right. And I'm not doing that anymore. So I've kind of, I've, I've kind of picking and really embraced this idea of being a little more discerning about gigs that I take and, um, to make sure that they are worth um, the time away from home and the, you know, I turned 50 in January and it's not like it's that big of a deal, but it does make me think, you know, um, man, it's, it's, you know, I got to take good care of myself or I'm gonna, or, or the money that I have saved is all going to be used for my body, main, maintaining my body. And I don't want to use it on that. I want to use it on other stuff. So, um, you know, I, I better start actively maintaining my body. Time, <laughs> time to start doing that. I should you know, should have. But, um, but yeah, the gigs, you know, I feel Bill and I were talking about this right before you got here, Miles, of just what a luxury and what a prize for working hard for 25 years um, that I have. I get to answer emails and phone calls and say, that sounds like a lot of fun. I'd love to be there or say, Ooh, that's not going to work. But I'm, but really the only gigs I'm out there looking for is something to get me from Texas to Montana. So I don't just have to drive it in a straight shot. And nice. you know, those, those gigs are, um, you know, uh, uh, they are what they are. And I've, you know, spent a lot of years working on that little route too, where those gigs have gotten better and, you know, I don't have to say this, the pandemic is so weird. You can go and pack the house and it's still only half full because people aren't allowing, you know, all the way in. And then if you're someone like me that doesn't typically pack the house, you know, you're looking at maybe making a third, a quarter to a third of what you maybe made before pandemic. If you're not working on minimum guarantees, which I like to do. And, um, and so it can be real dicey. And, uh, and so the gig has to be worth more than just money, right? It's get me on where I need to go, or I love those people I'd hang out with, I'd pay to hang out with them or, you know, whatever. It's got to kind of meet a couple different, you know, measures, um, to be a good gig. So if people want to find out where they can see you, where should they go? That's all listed on my website at susangibson.com is uh, where I put all my tour dates. And you've got the Compassionate Com Combat 
Yes, that was the song that Bill was talking about. Um, is compassionate combat was a, a song for you know healthcare and frontline workers, mostly nurses though, um, doctors and nurses that have really kind of shouldered the weight of this uh, pandemic. And um, and that was the one that uh, we did. We recorded it in, in Wimberley and Bill and Walt and Adam Carroll, Josh Greider, you know uh, Chris Carroll. Um, Billy Crockett, they all two days before Christmas uh, came over to the studio and and sang backing vocals uh, back in twenty twenty. Awesome. Yeah, so, that was and it's a and it's a beautiful song and uh, you know and it does good work in the world. So if you haven't right. heard it, go listen to it and download it and Thanks. you know all those and, things we do. Yeah, it's you know it's free to download and you can send if you've got nurses that are you know are working their butts off. You can you can. Hmm email it to them for a little, uh, three and a half minute. Thank you note, you know, love that. Yeah. Well, Susan, I really, as usual, I just want to sit here and talk to you all day. I know. I love this. Thank you so much yeah. for inviting me. Miles. Great to meet you. And thanks for the great conversation. So good to meet you. Thanks for sharing. This has been so fun. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to listen to more of your music and, and follow along. I'd love yeah. to see you in person sometime. Where are you? Right now, I'm actually in. Uh, You're in LA. used to giving. Okay. Did you I'm hear a call, or were you driven to service your whole life? Do you put yourself in danger? Do you risk it all to help a stranger? Well, the nurses don't think twice, and we ask so much. Of you Leave your families and your homes For the work you've got to do You are the miracle, the gift Pulling 18-hour shifts Of compassionate combat How do you thank someone for that? You get to your task, an angel in a homemade mask. You got your picture taped on your gown. Machines for ventilation, human beings need more than medication. And there's no sign of slowing down.
are the miracle, the gift In every single shift of compassionate combat And you can thank a nurse for that Thanks for listening today. We'd really appreciate it if you could just take a sec and follow us on your favorite podcast listening platform. That would help us out tremendously. And of course, if you ever want more information about upcoming episodes or past episodes or anything else about the show, you can go to subtleartofnotyelling.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time. 